Hello, hello, hello. I am your anchor, Dagan Roberts, for the Music Throwdown, the Music News Podcast. Don't put that on silent. Today, we are going to be, uh, we're going to do the news, so uh, here's your news. R. Kelly is going to be released from prison due to coronavirus concerns. Uh, I don't think he deserves it, you know? He's not a good person. I mean, it's just straight to the point, period. Not a good person. Sometimes good people don't deserve to live the real, the way life is supposed to be lived. I don't know. Uh, Haley Williams, you may have heard of her, may have it. She's, she uh, turned down a little Uzi Vert collab because he, because she didn't want to be that famous. I mean, what? I don't understand that. Some people would be like, yeah, I understand. You don't want to be really, really famous. No. I mean, I don't understand. It's Lil Uzi Vert. If Lil Uzi Vert came to me and said he wants to be in my podcast, I would be like, yeah, grab a mic. I mean, of course I would. Like, uh, She has a brother who is a Lil Uzi Vert stan. He is really upset with her. But I'm not surprised. I mean... She turned down a uh, turned down a big track that she could have had. Uh, country star Joe Diffie dies of coronavirus at 61 years old. This can all this coronavirus stuff is getting out of hand, man. You know what I mean? Like it's it sucks. Uh, Gary Holt. Uh, tested Gary Holt, the guitarist for Slayer and Exodus, has uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Mm, Rihanna and Jay Z have donated two million dollars to the COVID 19 relief. Uh, that's pretty nice of them. That's really nice of them. I mean, they, they have a lot of money, so they, they're able to do that. Uh, Lindsay Lohan is coming back. Better than ever to record new music for all y'all. I mean, this is the time we need her. Uh, your Billboard charts of the week are for uh, for radio songs and pop songs. You, we still have number one for Dua Lipa, Don't Start Now. And streaming songs, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd is number one. Now, let me just say, Blinding Lights is an amazing song. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. It gives you like kind of like a, like you know, the final countdown. It's kind of got that synthesizer in it. It's it's, it's a really good song. It gives you kind of that '80s vibe to it. Anyways, um, today we're going to be talking about Rush. This is the tragic real life story of Rush. Rock band needs exactly three things to make it in this world. Monster guitarist, a lead singer who can wail, and a drummer who miraculously pounds away. The Canadian power trio who made out Rush easily checked all of those boxes over the span of nearly 50 years. Rush inspired one of the most devoted and vigilant fan bases in music, selling tens of millions of copies of its enveloping 70s and 80s classic like permanent waves 2112 and hemispheres rush can 
Rush's music can be dance and experimental progressive rock. Many of its songs are about philosophy or, or sci-fi worlds, but it can be more traditional or evidenced by how no classic rock station in the world goes very long without playing Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Bye Bye the Night, or Free Will. I like I like Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer's a good song. Uh, yeah, Tom Sawyer's a really good song. Rush's song, Rush. Hold on a second. Rush's songs speak to the mind and the heart, the aim of the most legit musicians. The band also sings from a place of empathy, as its individual members have endured a lot of pain and struggle. A lot of pain and struggle over the years. See, despite all of their talent and their claim to musical fame, the band members have gone through some devastating times, from family deaths to personal connections to historical tragedies. Here's the tragic real-life story of Rush. First up, we have Neil, Part Neil Pert's daughter died in a car accident. I can already tell this is going to be a long thing. Uh, here we go. On the morning of August 10th, 19... Or no, what? Hold on. From late 1996 to, to July 1997, Rush toured, Rush toured in support of its own album, Test for Echo. And after the final stop in Ottawa, Ontario... Ottawa, Ontario drummer Neil Peart headed home headed home to Toronto to see Selena Taylor, his Selena Taylor, his 19-year-old and and at the at, and at the time only daughter off to college. Off the, uh, on the morning of August 10th, 1997, Peart stopped on his motorcycle to guide car driving Taylor through the back roads of Quebec to a gas station in Hawkesbury, Ontario, as Pert Road wrote in Ghost Rider Travels on a Healing Road, and then, as he explained, once again, I hugged and kissed, kissed her and told her I loved and was proud of her. Now I was glad those words had been spoken. That's because later that day, Tyler Taylor died after being involved in a single car accident, according to MTV News. Taylor's Jeep rolled over on Highway 401 somewhere between Toronto and Montreal, and killed the driver. Man, reading the uh, Aussie one a while ago, that one got me, and now we're going to have to read about this one. Uh, Rush. So, next next we have Neil Peart's longtime companion and had a swift and deadly sickness. Uh Jackie Taylor, the mother of Neil Peart's daughter and his and his partner of more than two decades, was understandably devastated and impressed by the death of Selena Taylor. She just wanted to die, Peart wrote, and Ghost Rider travels on the healing road. She had to be coaxed into eating anything at all and talked of suicide constantly. He added also nothing that he, that he never left her alone and got an eye on her, sleeping pills, and sedatives. In, in January 1998, Pert and Taylor were beginning to emerge from the haze to grief, grief when Taylor started to suffer from a persistent nighttime cough and serious back pain. However, it wasn't the result of grief-related stress, as Taylor had presumed instead a doctor diagnosed her with terminal cancer. Just a few months later, Taylor passed away after suffering a series of strokes, personal tra tragedy, 
was the second loss of a family member that Bert suffered in less than one calendar year. Man, this is going to hurt me. Alright, next up we have Rush broke up because Neil Peart couldn't play. When a, when a lot of legis, leg, legacy musical art acts retired, they let their audience know and stage a final goodbye tour. So, tour so they can cash in before disappearing from the public eye and concert circuit. Rush certainly could have could have made a bundle from a farewell, farewell tour that wasn't in the cards. Wasn't in the cards. That that period of life, that period of our life is done. Giddy. Getty Lee said on Sirius XM's Trunk Nation. In, 19, in 2018, the reason Neil Peart couldn't play the drums to his very own high standard anymore, Neil was retired. Lee went on to explain, he wasn't just retired from Rush, he's retired from drumming. He's not drumming anymore and he's living his life, which is fine. The band's R40 tour in 2015 wound up being the band's class then. Even then, it wasn't it was very hard for Pert to get Pert to go through, owning, owing to tendonitis, tendonitis I think so, shoulder pain and a serious foot infection. Then was struggling throughout that tour to play at the peak because of physical alignments and other things that were on that were going on with him. Lee explained he did not want to go out and do anything less than what people expected expected of him. Oh man, here's the here's the newest one. Uh, Neil Burt died of brain cancer. Well, not an original member of Rush, Neil Burt Neil Burt played a huge part of forging the band's identity. Not only was he responsible for for 40 years, 40 plus years of superhuman prophecies. I don't know. I give up. And clever drum technique. He also wrote the majority of the band's intellectual and philosophical lyrics. But sadly, health issues forced Pert to quit. The band after its 2015 tour, and while Getty, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson discussed teaming up for some musical pro project down the line, it just wouldn't and couldn't be rushed without Pert. And now there shall never be a full rush reunion. On January 7, 2020, Pert passed away at the age of 67. A spokesman, a spokesman for Pert's family. Confirmed the news to Rolling Stone, as well as revealing that Pert had been quietly fighting brain cancer for several years. Our friend, soul brother, and bandmate of over 45 years, Neil, has lost his incredibly brave three-and-a-half-year battle with brain cancer. Rush wrote on its Instagram page. And this stuff is hard to read. Probably hard for you to listen to, being honest. Uh, Russia's first bassist and senior missed out.
Euphoria was filling areas with epic jams, and Rush was a humble, humble garage band in 1968. Guitarist Alex Lifeson and drummer John Rutsey formed the proje- Projection, and they soon brought in bassist and lead singer Jeff Jones. Days before first gig, playing play, playing to an audience of teens in a coffee shop in the basement of a Toronto church. The band took the suggestion of Rutsey's older brother and renamed the band Rush. However, mere hours before its second show, a week later, James called Lifeson to let him know he wouldn't be playing with the band that evening because he wanted to go to a party instead. Not wanting to cancel, Lifeson scrambled to replace Jones decided on a local bassist named Getty Lee from from whom he whom he, he occasionally borrowed an amplifier. Lee was an, an amenable to filling in on bass, but he was reluctant to take on singing duties for the band's set list of cover songs. But he took on the gig and kept it for about 50 years. As for Jones, he missed out on selling tens of millions of records and entering the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As, as a part of one of the biggest bands ever, he did, however, go on to the band. Go go on to be in the band Red Rider, which scored a string of rock hits in the 1980s. Red Rider. Have I ever heard, heard of them? I don't think I've ever heard of Red Rider. And he, he sure messed out. If, if someone... Like, that's kind of just a... I, I don't want to say it, but it's kind of a douche move to do, you know? You don't like do that to somebody like moments right before you're about to have a concert that's like like you know these concerts that are coming up with Joan Jett, Poison, Molly Crew and Def Leppard that's like saying that's like Vince Neil calling them and being like hey I'm not going to be there like what are they supposed to do what, like what are they supposed to do luckily they had someone though like sorry I want to go party instead of go to this big concert you know yeah, okay, bye. Like, that's stupid. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm done talking. Rush's original drummer left the band. Original Rush drummer John Rutsey stayed with the group for much longer than original bassist Jeff Jones did. The co-founding member helped Rush forge its unique sound and he played countlessly early live shows in the early 70s. The band signed a deal with major label Mercury Records, the imprint of the band's 1974 self-titled debut album, Rush. Rutsy played on that played on that played on that album and had his picture printed front and center of the back of the record sleeve, but his time with the group was about to come to an end. Just because the band embarked on its first American tour, Rutsy left the group for health reasons, according to Variety. A claim that that was backed up by Rush manager Vic Wilson in the documentary Beyond the Lighted Stage. But, however, a, shout, a shift from the blues influence brought to progressive rock on Rush's next album, Fly By The Night, indicated that Rutsy's style of drumming wasn't meshing with the rest of the band sound. Alex Lifeson and I had been going in that direction. Getty Lee told Matt Penfield in a 20, 2003 interview, Lee noted the introduction to the Fly By Night 
Night Track Anthem, saying, I remember jamming it with John, and he wasn't really into playing like that because that required a real active drummer. He was a real lay-down-the-back-beat kind of drummer. Rutsy was ultimately replaced with the, with the frenetic Neil Peart, and he was on to live a I can't talk right now, you know. Jesus. R relatively quiet life. John Rutsy died from di diabetes complications. Oh, man. Here we go with the sad ones again. Well, let me get a drink. Alright. John Rutsey was the first original member to leave Rush, and sadly he was also the first to pass away. In 1974, he reportedly left the band in part to do, in part due to vaguely defined health reasons, although bandmate Eddie Lee disputed that in a, tw that in a tw 2003 interview. He did acknowledge that Rutsey had been dealing with diabetes for di diabetes for quite some time. The, the disease can be tricky to manage with, with patients injecting themselves with expensive insulin and using finger sticks multiple times a day to measure blood sugar levels. Severe health issues like blindness, limb amputation, and kidney failure can result over time, and that's what happened to Rutsy. I hope I'm saying this right. His name could be like Rutsy or Rutz or Rutsy, and I'm saying Rutsy. I'm just going to keep saying Rutsy even if it's wrong. Because you can't do a thing. You're not going to do a thing. You're not going to do a thing. What you going to do? Hmm? Huh? What you going to do? Hmm? Hmm? Sorry, I can't hear you. What? Yeah, because you're not going to do a thing. According to an obituary in the Toronto Star via Billboard, Billboard published at the time of the drummer's death in 2008, Rutsy died from complications from his lifelong affliction with diabetes and asked that donations be made in his memory to the Juvenile, juvenile diabetes, diabetes Research Foundation reportedly a fitness enthusiast. His exercise regimen wasn't enough to overcome the ravages the ravages of diabetes and Rutsy was just 55 years old when he died. Man, I hope I die old. I don't want to die at 55 or 40 or like some of these some of these stars. Like, man, I can't do that. I'm gonna die old. Like Ozzy, I'm gonna die really old. I can't remember how old Ozzy is. Uh, according to the obituary, or, or I just read that, Rush's connection to the Holocaust. Rush bassist Geddy Lee is one of the Canadian Canada's finest born in Toronto in 1953. His parents, his parents Morris Wine Weinrib and Manya Rubenstein were. You know, I'm trying to talk, and it's, like, killing me just to talk, and I don't know why. It's just, yeah, 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 when it comes out of my mouth. We're relatively 
recent immigrants to the the great white north, both originally from Poland. My mother was, he said, and I quote, my mother was born in Warsaw and moved to a small town about an hour south called Satchelweiss. And my mother was from a town. I don't know how the English version of it could be would be, but but he called it Astrowasi Astrowasi. I don't know. We told New York's Q one hundred four point three. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it like that. Q one hundred four point three. Ultimate guitar repair. Hello, this is New York's so Q one hundred four point three. Yeah, ultimate guitar. Alright. The pair met and fell for each other in 1939. And as this was Poland under World War II era Nazi occupation, and there were Jewish, that that, that meeting occurred to, in a work camp. Neither, neither was older than 13. Neither was older than 13, and they were both set to a notorious Auschwitz concentration camp where they endured unbelievable horrors for close to two years. Then Weinrib was transferred to Dachau, while Rubenstein, along with her sister and mother, remained at Auschwitz before sent to Bergen-Belsen after the Allied liberation of the camps. Weinrib Weinrib set out in search of Rubenstein, eventually finding her at a displaced person's camp and marrying her before moving to Canada. Lee's mother often spoke about life during wartime. My earliest memories were my mother talking about Hitler and what had happened to her family, Lee said. His father, however, was not a big talker about his time in the concentration camps and passed away when Lee was only 12 years old. Man, you don't know how hard it is to read this stuff. Uh, man, I'm just like, like trying to take big sips to help me speak, but it's not. It's not helping. Uh, Alex Lifeson had a drunken altercation with police. Welcome to the. Well, I should probably. Welcome to rock and roll. Probably shouldn't say that because this could be serious. But uh, according to the to the Naples Daily News, jazz singer Freddie Cole was performing at a $325 a plate New Year's Eve party at the Ritz Carlton in Naples, Florida in 2003. While singing one of the jazzy love songs, a seemingly intoxicated man jumped on the stage, Guy raided around, grabbed the microphone, and asked the audience for a nice round of applause with his Count Basie, bass, for bass, for his mic was cut. The man was joined in, and his antics by another individual. It turns out the guys were Justin. I'm not even gonna say that last name. Zivojinovich, Justin Zivojinovich, and his father Rush, guitarist. Alex Lifelin, according to Courthouse News Service, the Ritz manager on duty called the front desk to summon the police. Three deputies soon arrived and tried to escort Zivovich, Ziv, 
Zivojinovic out of the hotel where he resisted, leading the authorities to wrestle him to the ground and stick him with a taser. As Lysland tried to protect his son, one of the deputies punched the guitarist in the face and broke his nose. Both father and son were arrested and charged with resisting arrest. The duo later sued the police for use of excessive force. I hope they win. I mean, like, he's trying to protect his son. Well, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Rush didn't get much respect from the music industry. Uh, Rolling Stone publisher Jan Jan Winner also headed up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and despite being eligible eligible for years and being one of the most successful acts ever, Rush just couldn't get in in enshrined. Finally, in 2013, Rush made it in. When we were nominated, it came as a bit of a surprise to us because we thought we wouldn't get inducted unless it was over Jan Wenner's dead body. Lifeson said he was still quite alive. And, uh... That, that's that's that that's I love it. Um, not a lot of uh, the other Rush members. I mean, they did live a bad life. I mean, there there was still the amazing parts like being famous and live and living life, rock stars. But I mean, I really feel bad for Neil Peart though, because he didn't live the best life at all. A bunch of his Friends died. Daughter died. Two daughters died. I mean, geez, I couldn't. I couldn't go through that. If I was dead until my daughters died, I just couldn't. She couldn't live with that, you know. Anyways, I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your day to listen to my podcast. Make sure to listen. Make sure to share with your friends so it can so my podcast can out there and always. And as always, ooh, this is going to be my new catchphrase. As always, rock on. I don't know. (laughs) See you guys.